Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored to have Dr. Craig Hogan on the show. Craig is the president of the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. He has been a business professor at three universities, curriculum and training administrator at two universities and medical school, and founder and director of an online business writing program. Um, Craig has written many, many books, and his most recent just came out, what what did you say, like last week or something? Yeah. (laughs) Last week is Answers to Life's Enduring Questions from science discoveries and afterlife revelations. And today we're going to talk about the book before that, what happens to you in your life and your afterlife from speakers in the afterlife. So welcome, welcome to the program, Craig. Yeah, Marla, it's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. And there's so much that people don't realize and and we need yeah. to put the word out. So if we will answer any questions that people have, if they want to send in questions to us and we would answer them. But right now, I just want to go through everything that we can during this time together. Wonderful. So Craig, how did you begin down this path? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you started studying the afterlife. Well, about 25 years ago, I really didn't have any belief in anything. And then at that time, I began to meet with psychics. They just came into my life and I couldn't figure out why. And so then I learned that I have psychic ability and that I'm able to do remote viewing. I can review things that are thousands of miles away just by focusing on them. And then I found out that I can do psychometry. I can hold things in my hand and and find out about people based on them. So I realized there's a whole lot more to life than what we assume is to be true. And so I began to delve into it. And as I delved into it, it became apparent that not only do we have this life, but we have the life after this life and that we would continue when this life is finished. And so what I did then was to start researching it, to find out more about it, everything I could find out about it. And as I did that, then I found out much more than I'd ever thought was going to be possible. There is so much more to life. And th- this life is just a smidgen. This is just a drop in the bucket. And there's, uh, there are things that are happening in this life that are expanding what we know about life in general. And there are things happening in the next life that are coming to us that we're learning about. And as a result of the things happening in this life that we're learning about, the things that are happening in the next life, we really are understanding much more about why we're here, what our purpose is, what's going to be happening to us and during this life, why we have this life, what's going to happen to us at the very moment when we transition from this life, and then what life is like on the next life. So all of these things are available to us now. We know what they are, and we just have to let people know about them. 
Right, absolutely. So were you raised in a religious or spiritual um, family? I was raised as a Lutheran and we were nominal Lutherans. Everybody is. You go to church every Sunday and you, you go through the, and I was in Luther League, which is for children. And and at the time that I had decided I was going to become pre-ministerial. And so I went to a, a Lutheran college and then about halfway through the college, then I just kind of dropped out of it. I was not interested anymore in it. And then after that, I had nothing for years, for decades, no belief of any kind. And then finally, I did come on to uh, religion and then was interested in religion, actually became a born-again Christian and went through that period of my life. And then I, I was an administrator at Wheaton College uh, in their graduate program. So I was with the Baptists very strongly. And then after that, that dropped off because I realized that there wasn't any truth there. And so as a result of that, then I drifted for many years, not really knowing what to think about life, about what to think about who we are. And finally then came upon these people who were psychics and right. I was drawn into it. I was drawn into understanding it. And it just kept on snowballing until I came to the point where I am today. So what, did you have any like aha moments? I mean, you've studied and studied. I know I've had a few experiences that just like, oh my gosh. And do you, do you have any that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I think, so many. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that the first one was when I found out I could remote view, I, I sat down yes. in front of a monitor, television monitor, and you get a, a code. The code is meaningless. It's just a series of letters and numbers. And you focus on the code with your eyes closed, and then the, the impressions come to you from somewhere, wherever that, that uh, thing is that's associated with the code. And so I did the first one, and it, it was immediately successful, and I was able to do it. I had, I had a spot on on what was there and, and that thousands of miles away. And so as a result of that, then that, that had an effect in my life. Oh, wow. It's interesting. I love the way how... You know, I've really done a, a lot of research too. probably not uh, really scratch the surface of what you've done, but I've done a lot for myself and it's, it's listening to other stories, even though I've done some, you know, I've been to some seances and plant medicine and things like that. Um, but you really did it internally. Like I want to see these things and I want to show, see that I can do these things like remote viewing that we all know the government's been doing for years and years and years and, and that sort of thing. Yes. So in your book, you talk a little bit about um, our past as a kind of a, as a civilization and why many do not believe in the afterlife today. That what I guess you'd call skeptics, even though I look at that as a positive word, because if you're skeptic, hopefully you're curious and open-minded. But can you talk a little bit about what we were taught as children kind of the dogma between science and religion yeah what happened was there have always been people who have told us the truth uh, during the golden age of of those luminaries which was in the first millennium beginning of the first millennium we had people who were telling us what the truths were that it was in our culture it was in our belief system that there was a life after this life that the life is much greater than what we experience here. And so we had all of that tradition. Then what happened was that the, especially in the West, the church took over spirituality. And so once the church took it over, then it became the province of the priests and the holy books and, 
And as a, as a result of that, then we were stifled. Each one of us as individuals, we no longer were able to seek spiritual truth. We had to listen to what was coming in from outside of us. That then took over and it remained the dominant factor that was keeping spirituality from us until the scientists came in in the 17th and 18th centuries. They were making discoveries and saying that we don't need God, we don't need a religion, we don't need any of this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to chuck the whole thing. And what they did was when they chucked the whole thing, they chucked spirituality as well. So that there was no belief in anything. It was only mind, it was only the, the body, and the mind then was an epiphenomenon, it was coming out of the body, and there was nothing more to it than that. And so as a result of that, then we've come down today to have what is amounts to the national religion, which is science. And then the scientists are telling us what to believe. And they're saying, don't believe that there is anything beyond this life. Don't believe that there's anything that you can find out from looking inside of yourself. And you just have to listen to us, the scientists. So it's the same thing as it was with religion. So now finally, at this point in the 20th and 21st centuries, we're breaking out of that. We're going back to the realities that we knew were, were true in the distant past. We're finding out the fact that we are eternal beings. We are one with the universal consciousness and that we are one with each other. And we're just discovering that and really making use of it to realize that we can live together in love, peace, and joy because of the fact that we're not separated from each other. And so that's the reason that, that it was suppressed for such a long period of time. And that's the reason we're seeing this renaissance now, this, this explosion of spirituality, of, of a change in consciousness. And it's just now starting and it's accelerating all the time. We expect big things to happen in 2022. Right, I've heard you say that. Kate, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, 2022 looks like it, uh, many things are going to come together in our understanding of the life after this life. And as a result of that, then we're going to be seeing things that are, are revealed more widely. In other words, more people are going to be experiencing them. And so once more people experience what we know to be true now that is opening up, then they will be sharing their experiences. So then as they share their experiences, then it will result in more people. In other words, it's going to be a, a change, a sea change, a paradigm change in humanity that's going to result and it's going to snowball. It will continue to get bigger and bigger. And we see that happening in, in 2022 as at the beginning. And we will notice the change. We will see the change in people. We know the fact that from the research that a small number of people within a community if they are involved in uh, transcendental meditation, if they're focused upon love and, and kindness and, and gratitude, then a small number of people then can make a change within the community. It actually it re it reduces the crime rates. It increases the number of inventions and, and helpful enterprises that occur and many other factors that, uh, that result from just this small number of people, one or, or 2% of the people. So we know that having a small number of people devoted to this is going to make a difference for humankind. So we will see that snowball effect happening, and we believe it's going to be in, starting in 2022. That is so exciting. And I think we're already seeing that with the near-death experiences, you mm -hmm. know, just coming out. For I mean, it's almost like a popular thing now, but, but coming out and how beautiful it is that 
I, I think that many want to hear it from the PhDs and the neuroscientists and that and the and you sure don't have to go far to find that you know and atheists and these people who have these just profound transformational experiences mm -hmm. it's just it's just beautiful right well what about if they haven't they're still young like five or six years old and I don't know you you may have some you know times when you're able to spend time with those little ones um what what do you do what do you feel like that caregivers can do to help to help not be so programmed yeah it, we need to change the models we need to change what we're doing so it isn't so much teaching in the sense of, of verbalizing and saying things to to the children it's that we're going to show them by being different if we can show them by being different then that will make a difference in their lives and we can show that through unconditional love for them uh, we can show that through uh, our love for one another them seeing the, us modeling love uh, seeing caring and and being engaged with other people not seeing them as separate but seeing them as one with us as brothers and sisters in this life and when they see that model when they become involved in that then they will then grow into having those values we can't teach them by telling them what to do we have to teach them by doing it and then they will see that and they will model that in their own lives right that's what's so important that that this change is coming because and just validating their experiences right when they have these experiences as 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 very young children because they are this earthly realms um you know future for sure mm -hmm. um so your new book, You Receive Answers from the Afterlife. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? Are you, are you meditating or, or what kinds of things do you do? What I do when I'm writing is I do the research. So I'm looking at the research from scientists mm -hmm. and I'm looking at the research from the statements by people living in the life after this life. We have many, many volumes of, of those statements now through mediums of, from people living in the next life. And they have wonderful things to say to us. So we have the records of them now. But then when I start to write, I do go into a, what amounts to a, a sort of a trance. I do go into uh, listening. I go into feeling what it is that's coming to me. And then based upon that, then I, I just continue to write. And it's, it flows. It's given to me. And uh, then when I go back through it and I edit it, sometimes I can't believe what I wrote. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's surprising. It's like, where did that come from? Uh, and uh, th then uh, when I finish the book, then I will go back through it and I will look through it and make sure that everything I, that's in there fits with the science, fits with the people who are communicating with us, and fits with what my intuition, what, what I'm being told about the way that life is. But in general, all of what I do then has citations, it has notations, it has the research that's there so that I can say to people, yes, we know this is true. It isn't just me speaking. Uh, my intuitions are being based upon what I'm learning about life and about the life after this life from the resources that we have that include both science and the people from the next life who are speaking to us and are telling us what's true. Right. And it's amazing how when you can really trust 
trust your feelings, trust your intuition, and how more just starts pouring in then all of those, all of those messages. Mm -hmm. So I also um, know that in your book, you talk about how science is now the leader improving continuity of consciousness Mm -hmm. and the mind is not the brain. And we've had quite a few interviews um, and I've interviewed quite a few people talking about this, but um, can you elaborate just personally on this, how you feel and what, what is reality? Big question. <laughs> so, the, the, yes, the mind is not in the brain. We know that to be true. And we know that because of the fact that, for instance, I can remote view, that I can sit in my office in Illinois and I can see something which is in New Jersey uh, and I can describe it and then send that description to the person. and They can show me the photograph and that is exactly what it was. So we know the mind is not confined to the brain. We also know that we will continue to live after the mind stops operating. We know that from the near-death experiences that people have, but more importantly, we know that from people who traveled on to the next life. And when they travel on to the next life, they come back and they give us messages. They tell us what it's like. They tell us what happens when they make the transition and what happens in their new life, what they're doing as they live in the next life. So we have all of the research the sciences sciences now are at the forefront of telling us that life is not what we thought it was quantum mechanics which was uh, begun in the early part of the 20th century has determined that our consciousness is a creator of reality reality is not there until we look for it until we want to see it when we observe it when we measure it we want to see it then the reality appears When it's not there, it's only the possibilities. It's called probability waves. And those possibilities are there, but they're not in a reality. They're not in an existence. So what we've learned from that is that that and what we've learned from the people who are living in the next life, we've learned that there is nothing but mind and experiences. The mind is our universal intelligence. That's the universal consciousness. And we are individual members of it. And so because the mind is only the individual consciousness, what we experience as the world is only experiences. So you can have a sight experience, but there is nothing that has to be out there in a world that's separate from us. All of it is one with us. We are one with the world. We are one with Jupiter. We're one with the, the stars that are, that are in the night sky. We are one with everything. And all we need to do to be able to access that, to learn about that, is to sit and quietly ask for it. So if we ask for the information, we'll be given the information. And we have teams of people on the other side who are helping us. They're concerned about humanity. They want to work with humanity. And so they are waiting for us to ask. And then they're waiting for us to, once we've asked, for us to listen and to get the messages that they're sending to us. And so... Science now is being informed by those people, those teams on the other side, and science is making the discoveries that we are much more than the body. We are not our brain. Our minds are not in our brains, that the body will continue after the brain stops operating and that we have a life in the next life. And all of that is coming out of science now. Right. Mm So let's talk a little bit about some of the questions in your book, because Mm -hmm. I find it fascinating, comforting, exciting. So what, what is it like in, in the afterlife? 
So the, the life that we live in, in the next life, is just like this life. We are on a... Do you call it the afterlife? I notice you say the life after... What do you call our next life? Uh, the life after this life. Okay. And the only reason for saying that is because this is not the real life and the next life is an afterlife. Yes. Because this is... Uh, we are on a spiritual plane. The Earth's plane is a spiritual plane. Uh, it's just another spiritual plane from the next spiritual plane that we're on. And we, what we're experiencing here, that we have matter and energy, we have things that are solid, we have puppies and we have streams and we have, we have the, the mountains that are around us. All of these things then are the same in the next life. So we have uh, all of the same things, but they're just wonderful, much more wonderful, much more glorious. We're in this life because we need to learn lessons and we need to learn them in a harsher environment. And so this life does have negatives. It has the things like beginnings and endings. Uh, but when we go into the next life, it's just like this. It's solid. We have bodies. We have, we have buildings. We live in houses. It's exactly the same, except that it's much more wonderful. And there are no beginnings and endings. And there are no negatives in the next life. So uh, if you, in fact, the people who transition to the next life very often will feel like they're dreaming, like they're going to wake up because the life there is exactly the same as the life here. Uh, but then they realize they're given counsel by their loved ones and by others there that what has happened is they've made the transition. They're in this new life. And this new life is the wonderful world in which they're going to be living for as long as they want to. They don't have to go on to higher levels. They can live there for as long as they want to. Thousands of years in Earth terms. We don't. They don't have a, a time. There are is no sun. There are no days and years. Uh, but there is a time of sorts that things do pass. But they don't keep track of time the same way that we do. But what happens in the next life is we get a body. We have a body that's just as solid as this body. It will look exactly like this body, except it will be our body when we were at the prime of our lives, when we were in our 20s or 30s. If a child then goes into the next life, the child will be reared there. The child will, will grow up there at the same uh, timing as they would have if they were on the earth plane. And they will come into adulthood and then they will come into being in their 20s and 30s. We, we do know that in the next life has all the things of this life, but much more glorious, much more wonderful. And then that's a, a time for us to live in peace with each other and continue our learning. We continue to learn there. Uh, and but the the learning is not rote learning the way it is here. The learning is much more experiential. Interesting. Yes, it is interesting how when one awakens to this knowledge that they become some sort of a they become kind of a light in the world. You know, light workers we like to call ourselves everyone. Yeah. And it, it really is true. People are kind of gravitate towards that because it's so, it's just all about, all about love. Yeah, it's all about love. love. And, and we sense that uh, people can actually send feelings to other people. Uh, right. Research to show that that's true. They've done the research in which they've had a person who is a, a sender in one room, a person who is a receiver in another room. The sender then is told to send agitated thoughts to the to the receiver, send thoughts of, of anger and agitation and, and confusion. And when the receiver gets that, then they're hooked up with, with electrodes like a lie detector. And what happens is every time that sender sends those thoughts, 
the receiver re responds in the body that's seen through the lie detector. And what that means is that all of our thoughts that are agitating and confusing and angry thoughts toward other people are received by those other people. And because that's true, because it does respond, they do respond at a very subliminal level. They don't realize it. It doesn't come up to consciousness, but it is there. And because of that, then we do have a sense that some people are loving and they are people who, whom we want to be around. Uh, and we get that sense because of the fact that they are really that kind of a person that is really coming from them. And at the same time, there are people we just have a, a bad vibe around. Right. Don't feel good about being around this person. That is coming from them to you. And it's coming at that subliminal level where you don't realize that it's affecting you. But we know it affects the body because it, in a lie detector test, their bodies become agitated without them ever realizing what's going on. And, you know, and I think that's really important when we're talking about children to to listen when they get a bad vibe about someone, you know, and don't make them hug, you know, whomever if they just are feeling weird because it, it comes from it comes from somewhere that's true, true in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So, we don't have too much more time, but I would like for you just to talk a bit about imagination and mm -hmm. what it is and the importance of it and why it's important for us to help our children use their imagination more. Children are, are in a state of mind, which is, is called an alpha state, uh, an alpha brainwave state, but they're in a state of mind in which uh, a person goes into that state of mind when they're doing readings. For instance, a medium do, does readings. Uh, in that state of mind, then they are in imagination. They're in a state of mind in which things are real to them. They're experiencing them. That's why they can have uh, a tea potty and, and mud pies and, and these kinds of things. It's not that they're just playing. They really believe that they're real at that level. Uh, they are in uh, that state in which they're becoming programmed from age one to seven. And as they're in that alpha state, they're very receptive to what it is that we're doing, to what we tell them, to what we model for them. And so then when they're in that state, then we have to be careful about what it is that we're modeling, what it is that we tell them, because of the fact that they will take that and then that, that will be the basis for their adult life. And, but we can then, we can, by treating them with respect, by showing them love, by showing them that we regard them highly, that, that if something happens, that in their little world, that they, uh, because they're, they're just, uh, they're despondent because uh, a, a, a toy has broken. That's their world. For them, we need to take that as seriously as we would take that as a person who had just had their, their car damaged. So an adult had a car damage. When the child has their toy damaged, it's the same level. And we need to understand that, to respect that, to, to accept what it is that they feel, and to commensurate or to, to sympathize with them as a result of that. Uh, so we need to realize the fact that they are in an alpha state their reality is much, much stronger in, in these kinds of little things in their imagination. And that, that imagination then is very important to them. Uh, they may have an imagination about their imaginary friends. Uh, many of their imaginary friends are not imaginary. 
they are in fact people who are coming to them uh, who come from another realm and uh, and they are they are going to be people who who are uh, interested in them it could be grandpa it could be someone else uh, so very often not always but very often that person that that imaginary friend is not so imaginary but we need to encourage the children to imagine to enjoy their imagination to realize they're in a different world than we're we're in that what they regard as important uh, will be different from what we regard as important but is nonetheless important for us to realize that that's true and to honor that so how has this knowledge changed I mean, you've been on a lot of different paths in your life, as you started talking about in the very beginning. How has this knowledge that you now know to be true, how has it changed your life? It's changed it dramatically. So I'm much more tolerant than I than I ever was before. Uh, I treat people differently than I did when, before. I see them differently. I actually have a different sense about people. Uh, I look for opportunities to be of service to other people and, and to minister to them. Uh, and all these things are spontaneous. It's not that I feel like I have to do something or that it's in the book and I need to follow the rules. All of these things are spontaneously coming out of me. And what happens is when you begin to realize that we are one in our universal consciousness, that we will never die, that we will continue to live, and that our goal here in life is to learn lessons, to love and grow in compassion for other people and to enjoy the experiences in this life, then we change in the way we, do, we view ourselves, the changes in the way we view other people, and it changes the way that we live our lives. So that's what's happened for me. Very well said. Well, Craig, thank you so much. And I really encourage my listeners to reach out any questions and to dig into your books because there is so much science and as you say science is the leader in all in all of this now and and so people want to find you how would they do that they can go to afterlifeinstitute.org that's our, our institute uh, or they can send me an email if you want to send it to uh, uh, r period craig period hogan at afterlifeinstitute.org I certainly would answer any questions. Okay, great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share that I that I didn't ask today? Uh, no, it, it, the important message is the fact that we are eternal beings, that we are in earth school for a limited period of time, that we must not take it so seriously, that we have challenges and we have all the kinds of help from people living in the next plane of life. We just have to listen to it. And so become aware of that, listen to the people there, and go on confidently in this life knowing that this life is being all, all that you can become and that you can make of yourself what you want to be and what you want your life to be. And you just have to realize that and do it. Well, thank you so much. It was such an honor. And have a great rest of your day. And hopefully I'll meet you at one of these conferences one day soon. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. 
Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.